Okay, today we're going to talk about the Titanic. True stories of her passage, crew, and legacy. Yeah. Uh-huh. I found the Titanic a little creepy. Like, a little. Okay, author's notes. RMS, Titanic changed my life with the release of my children novels. Spirit of the Titanic. The tragedy is narrated by the spirit of the first victim associated with Titanic. A 15-year-old catch boy or junior retriever, Samuel Joseph Scott, who was working on the building of the great ship in Harlan and Wolf Shipyard. On April 20, 1910, Samuel fell 20 feet to his death from a ladder propped against the side of the ship. It had no idea that the research I had undertaken for the novel and the novel itself would result in my spending the next six years crisscrossing the island of Ireland, including a jump to the Irish College in Paris, talking to students of all ages, teachers, librarians, and parents about Titanic. I have been a span a banished my four-year-old determined to show me their Titanic portraits, while older and elderly Titanic enthusiasts have shared their own research and construction with me. Over the years, many theories have been explored as to the cause of the sinking, including that of a fire in the portal room six. During my talk, I have been asked a lot of questions about the ship, so I have could answer, and some I could not. My publisher wanted an accessible, affordable history book, which presented me with a huge challenge as I shifted through the mountain of information available. Titanic and how it all began. Out on the sea in the early years of the 20th century, the Conchard Lane held supreme with a much larger ship. Lusterine and Mantertanian, the biggest, fastest, and most lavish-built ships the world has ever seen. In 1907, the number of immigrants traveling to a new life in America totaled a new high at 1.25 million. There was much money to be made in ship comparison to store ambition even to begin. In 1907, Mr. Joseph Bruce Ismer, chairman of the Winter Star Line, and his wife Florence were invited to dinner at Downshire House, the London home of Lord Pryor, chairman of Belfast, Hardland, and Wolf Shipyard. We may assume that the praiseman of this dinner was to intent changes that would prefer beneficial to both companies. Bruce Ismail was also presented and managing director of IMF, International Marine Company, the American holding company that had brought the ship White Star Line in 1902. The swag behind the IMM was undoubtedly John Pyrepoint, J.P. Morgan, the custodian powerhouse whose nose for profit had bought him to the water edge. As an American, he was not allowed to own British ships, but there was nothing to prevent him holding company for owning the company that owned the British ships. In typical fashion, Morgan wished to buy out and thus dominate the relatively new world of the transatlantic liner. Along with White Star Line, he had briefly attempted to buy Counting line, but was thought by the British government who feared an American monopoly of North Atlantic trade. Today, 24 Belgrave Square, the Greek Rome style mansion formerly known as Downshire House and home to the Spanish ambassador. However, it is far more famous for that 1907 party dinner, during which the two esteemed chairmen, Lord Pryor and Bruce. Ismay Dermot of Titanic and her sister. The future of sea travel was in their hands. 
what they were was undoubtedly a fine testament to the mutually beneficial relationship between a British ship line and a Belfish shipbuilding company. Three years later, an article in the Belfast News later described the relationship as one of the most interesting chapters in the history of our ship's building industry. It was surely invaluable that Eisman with IMM founding Empire looked to brief and the answer was as obvious as it was simple. White Star Line needed new ships and these new ships needed to exceed the Connor Line in size, speed, and luxury. The two men went to work that very evening making sketches and boasting names that announced the new type of ship on the horizon, a lipid, titanic, and gigantic. Of course, the consideration of that conversation would have been huge financial. J.P. Morgan had made his desire clear, telling Esmond to build me the finest vessel afloat. And that is exactly what he got. Here's a little more information. The tragic story of R.M.S. Titanic and her ill-fated maiden voyage continues to enthrall over a century after her journey to the bottom of the sea. Only a hundred, only 750 passengers out of approximately 2,220 on board made it safely onto lifeboats. Filled with period photos, this fantastic book looks at Titanic and the people associated with her for how it all began. No picture of Titanic Grand Staircase exists. Picture inside the Grand Staircase of Titanic's sister Olympic. Titanic was the biggest and most luxurious ship the world has ever seen. What happened on April 14, 1912, when Titanic hit an iceberg, is in many ways still unbelievable. Nicole Pierce has distilled her research into this moving, accessible history. Okay, sorry I didn't get to you all last. Yesterday, I was taking a break. My concussion is horrible. And I'm exhausted like all the time right now. And today's been interesting. And if you want to hear all about that, you can check out my Patreon. Probably. Or my YouTube. Also, check out my Patreon because that is where True Crime Tuesday is now going. Because uh, YouTube does not like True Crime Tuesday anymore. We are going to continue with the Titanic, the true stories of her passengers, crew, and legacy. Okay. Nobody could have guessed that Titanic was leaving Blastful behind forever. Nose for port had brought him to the water's edge. As an American, he was allowed to own British ships. But there was nothing to prevent his holding company from owning the company that owned the British ships in the typical fashion. Morgan wished to buy out and thus dominate the relatively new world of transatlantic liner, along with White Star Line. He had briefly attempted to buy the current lean but was thought by the British government who feared an American monopoly of the North Atlantic trade. Today, 24 Belgrove Square, the rocky Roman-style mansion formerly known as Donshire House, is home to the Spanish Embassy. However, it is far from famous for that 1907 dinner party. White star line needed new ship and these new ships needed to exchange the Colonel Lane in size, speed, and luxury. 
during which the two estimate chairmen, Lord Pripper and Bruce Ismay, dreamt up Titanic and her sister. The future of sea travel was in their hand, and what they would convince was utterly a fine testament to the mutual beneficial relationship between a British line and a Belfast ship building company. Three years later, an article in the Belfast New Letter described the relationship as one of the most interesting chapters in the history of our ship building industry. It was surely invaluable that Ismic with IMM founding and Pyre would like to breathe an answer was obvious as it was simple. White Star Line needed new ships, and these new ships need to exceed the Cunyard lines in size, speed, and luxury. The two men went to work that very evening making sketches and bestowing names that announced a new type of ship on the horizon. Atlantic Oh, Olympic, Titanic, and Gitanic, Giant. Of course, the consider of that conversation would have huge financial requirements. That is, those three ships could only happen thanks to White Star Line access to the sensible resource of the IMM. Left no image of Titanic Grand Staircase is known to exist. Picture here, the Grand Staircase in Olympic was the same design. A replica of the one in the Titanic can be seen at the Titanic Belfast. J.P. Morgan had made his desire clear, telling Isma to build me the finest vessel afloat. And this is exactly what he got, not three years later, with Olympic launched on February 20th, 1910, followed closely by Sister Titanic on May 31st, 1911. Gitanic, Olympic, Titanic, Gitanic, would be finally launched at Britain on February 26, 1942, a very different world. NOI Titanic was initially in her elder sister's shadow, not receiving half the fanfare that would have been afforded to the first of the White Star Line wonderships, but that would change. Man in the image of Olympic Titanic was just that bit heavier at four. 6,328 tons to Olympics 45,324 because the forward half of Titanic A deck prompt was enclosed by a steel screen with sliding windows while Olympic permanent deck was completely open to the elements due to her deck. Olympic wealthier passengers had no need for the first class her mendants on B deck and consequential, the B deck first class her mendants did not appear on Titanic. Instead, Thomas Anderson used the space to build extra and enlarge first class suits. Furthermore, he had made a testful extension to a la center restaurant in front of the cafe prison resembling a Persian street cafe. This had never been seen on a British ship before. Passengers could order a meal from the restaurant, and if they so wished, take it in the cafe, sitting in front of his large windows to enjoy the waterscape as they eat. Weather permitting, the windows could be rolled down, allowing passengers to feel like they were eating outside a cafe. Another first for a seafaring passengers, Thomas Anderson was breaking new ground with Titanic, and one can only wonder what he might have done with Britannic. Thanks to Cafe's popularity, 
particularly with the younger passengers, Olympic would later receive her own cafe Persian, Persian, Persian. Another Titanic specification was a recreation area for the restaurant that was added in B deck behind the grand staircase, while the main recreation room on D deck was also enlarged. The two deluxe parlor suits on B deck were given their own tournaments, and there were more first class gangway entrance on B deck too. A ship full of Strangers, passengers would certainly pay its way, but the real money was to be made from the likes of Austrian Gungaham and the Piers. Titanic infestation chef designer ensured his ship was the biggest and most luxurious ever to put to sea, and the rich flocked to board her in April 1912. How exciting it must have been on leaving Queenstown behind to know that there would be no more stops at all passengers and bags of mail were safely on board and that at long last they were on their way to New York and many what happened next is still somewhat unbelievable. Ooh, Titanic timeline. 1908, December 6th. Olympic Neald is laid and contribute begins. Contribution begins. 1909, March 31st, Titanic Neal is laid and construction begins. 1910, April 16th, Titanic frame is complete. April 20th, catch boy Samuel Joseph Scott in federal fall from side of ship. October 19th, Titanic planting is completed. 1911, May 31st, Titanic is launched just after midday in front of a thousand, 1,000 people. June 14th, Olympic commends her media voyage. September 20th, Olympic cholera with HMS. Hawk delay Titanic complication. November 30th, Bruce McNeil is laid and construct begins. 1912. January. Lifeboats are fitted on Titanic. February 3rd, Titanic captured on newsreel entering the dry dock. March 31st, construction of Titanic is completed. April 12th, follows success sea trial. Francis signs the certificate of sea worthiness valid for one year. And Titanic leaves Belside forever. April 3rd, Titanic dock in Southampton. April 10th, Titanic leaves Southampton and sails to Cherburger. April 11th, Titanic docks at Roch Point off the coast of Queenstown to pick up her final passengers and post bags. Two hours later, she leaves for New York. April 13th at 11.40 p.m., four days into her first and only voyage, the Titanic strikes an iceberg about 375 miles south of New Finland. April 15th at 2.17 a.m., the last message is transmitted from the Titanic before our final plunge at 2.20 a.m. A little over 700 passengers out of an approximately 2,222 on board make it safely into lifeboats. Just after 4 a.m., RMS captain arrives to rescue the survivors. 1985, September 1st, Titanic is signed after a disappearance of 73 years when Robert Bali discovered her wreck torn in two on the Atlantic floor. Titanic disaster. Great loss of life, evening news, little boy holding paper. About the world was shocked as news spread of Titanic's fate. Up site top Titanic main dining room on the sail saloon deck, opposed bottom pictured in Olympic first class smoking room identical to Titanic 
and designed as a gentleman's club with Megraham paneling and stained glass windows. Oh, they do look kind of similar. Captain Edward John Smith was his Titanic officers, only four of whom would survive Titanic's maiden voyage. Wow. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them. Titanic. In his photographs, Edward John Smith looked exactly like a seafaring captain of old with his solid figure, white hair, and weathered face. Completed by a trim beard, he is forever ingrained in our minds as the captain of the Titanic. Since, to the author's knowledge, no photographers existed in the public domain, showing him in civilian clothes. Henley is the English Derbyshire town of Stoke-on-Trent, was the landlocked town of his birth and childhood, and is many miles from the sea. He was named after his father, Edward, who was a potter before going to retail and buying a shop with his wife, Catherine. According to an old trade journal from 1893, the press Henley was the capital of the pottery. Captain Smith embarked his destiny at an early age. Leaving school at 13, he made his way to Liverpool and got himself an apprenticeship with the Gib Gibson Shipping Line before joining White Star in 1880. Seven years later, at the age of 37, he earned his first command and on his way to the Captain Titanic in 1912, took the helm of many ships, including the Majestic, the Baltic, the Arctic, and Olympic. In 1887, he married Sarah Eleanor Pendergenton. Wow, that's a name. Pendergenton. And they had just one child, Helen Melview Smith, born in 1898. Smith served with the British Royal Navy during the Boer War and his claim relatively earned earn him a medal for bravery from the hands of King Edward VII himself. Presumably it was his short of behavior that attracted his fans, those wealthy passengers who preferred to sail on his ship over the other Winter Star captains leading to his nickname, Millionaire Captain. However, else leading to his nickname, Millionaire Captain, however, else they may have felt about the number of funerals or indeed lifeboats, most of the first class passengers would have been reassured by the very fact that they were on Captain Smith's ship. He was as popular with the men who worked with him, his crew, who called him EJ along, although only when he was out of earshot. As White Star Line, most popular officer, and also the highest paid with an annual salary of L1250, it was no surprise that he would be asked to take the brand new biggest ship in the world out on her maiden voyage. Walter Lord, really, his name is Lord. <laughs> okay, I'm a kid because that is just funny. My name is Lord. Walter Lord. I find that a little funny. Just a little. In his book, A Night to Remember, writes that the 62-year-old captain had been about to return but board a Titanic to fulfill a final request from Starline. Some dispute the fact today. However, it is certainly adds phantom to a story in every way possible. This was to be Captain Smith's final journey after his death. An old Helen school friend, Willow Jones, gave an account of the boy, Ted Smith, who would go on to become one of the world's most famous captains. William Jones 
declared that Smith had died exactly as he would have wished. Standing on the bridge of his ship, thus ensuring that he went down with her, because that was typically of the boy he described as brave, kind, and generous, perhaps it is only right and natural that the exact fate of the Titanic captain remains a mystery. Thanks to several conflicting stories from survivors who claim the last sighting of him, an American passenger, George Burton, B-R-E-R-E-T-O-N, sometimes listed as G.A. Barden, that one's easier, George Barden, was in the water and saw Captain Smith standing alone on Titanic. He watched a wave knock the captain off his feet, but Smith stood up once more as the ship sank, only to be knocked over by a second wave. Barden did not see him again. And Trey Cock, Isaac Maynard, was standing on the back of the overturned colossal spotted the captain in the water and with his fellow passengers tried to pull him aboard, but the captain slipped off again. As far as fireman Harry Sr. was convinced, the captain did not slip, but purposely let go to follow his ship. Meanwhile, an interview appeared in the Daily Sketch newspaper on April 30, 1912, with Mr. George Standing, a friend of Charles Williams, the squasher played who survived the sinking. Mr. Standing repeated what Charles told him, which was that he saw Captain Smith in the water with a baby. A lifeboat went to his rescue, and the captain handed over the child, but refused to get into the boat. Instead, he asked the whereabouts of First Officer Murdoch, and on hearing that Murdoch was dead, Captain Smith removed his life jacket and disappeared under the water, never to be seen again. Other various versions have him shouting at those in the lifeboat, Be brave. Be British. Okay, I like the be brave, but the be British is not really. I am British, so I guess I can't really say much. Eh, I'm a mixed breed. Before disappearing, there was outrage when a completely different story appeared in some newspapers. Who knows who started the rumor, but presumably someone told someone else that Captain Smith committed suicide, shooting himself in the head even before the lifeboat was released. The London Daily Telegraph in the April 20th edition surmised that the rumor began after several survivors attested to hearing several shots on the Titanic deck. See, I remember people saying that they thought that someone was shooting people because there wasn't enough lifeboats and they didn't want them to, like, have to go through the pain of dying in the water. And then I heard the account that this guy shot himself. I don't know if... We'll continue in a minute. Okie dokie, artichokey. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today and the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokie, Artichokey. Ad break, it's now. Let's continue with our story. We have here that it was okay. 
was never recovered. His memory service was held in St. Mark's Church, Selton, Henley, on May 5th, 1912. Captain Smith was exonerated of all blame in the investigation into the sinking. Questions were raised as to whether all the warnings about icebergs that were received by Titanic on April 14th were passed on to the captain. The only person who would have known one way or another was wireless operator Jack Phillips, who did not survive the tragedy. Lord Misery, who led the British wreck commissioner inquired, submerged that Captain Smith had made a mistake in not reducting Titanic speed or posting extra logout. Okie dokie, artichoke, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okie dokie artichokey ad break it's now Smith had made a mistake in not reducing Titanic speed or posting extra lookouts. Yeah, but I also blame the other ship who did not come when you asked them to come. There's a couple things about the Titanic that I want to talk about. So, there are some theories, and I've read some things. Like, people believe that the musicians went down with the ship and they played the whole time. Some people say they didn't, others say they did, some say they have no clue. And that is something that can happen, where you don't know if you're... Things can happen when you're like in a crisis that people just kind of don't pay attention to every single little detail out there, and let me tell you. That is a true statement. And then there was Miss Unsinkable, and we will talk about her another day because that is a long story. But girl, you are in three sinking ships and you still went back? Then you more courage the most because I would be like, nope, this is cursed, I'm done. I'm gonna find a different job. Bye. Like, no, that, that, that ain't happening. Like, no, thank you. But dang, you survived three shipwrecks, girl. That's amazing. Also, there was no truth into um, people. There was um, people said the rich were favored over the poor during the thing. And according to actual people who were there, that was not true. What the truth was, was people just were trying to get women and children in the boat first. Trying to get everyone out and... It was just a disaster zone. Okay, let's continue reading the book. There's so much about the Titanic, and I mean so much. I always found the interesting, I forget if it was a documentary, where they went and saw the actual Titanic itself in a shipwreck, and it was so sad, but kind of interesting. But it was understandable since he was traveling a well-worn route used by many passenger ships on the other previous 25 years, who all would have maintained speed, trusting to a sharp lookout to spot danger in time. Captain Smith was merely falling suit and therefore could not be accused of neglectedness. After the sinking, Eleanor, his widow, wrote a note which was put up outside 
outside the White Star office in Southampton. To my poor fellow surfer, my heart overflows with grief for you. All this landed wish sorrow that you are weighted down with the terrible burden that has been thrust upon us. My God be with us and comfort us all. Yours in sympathy, Elmer Smith. That is so sad. Also, um, there was like a sentence that someone said there was another ship that they contacted that was only a few minutes away and they never showed up. I actually don't know if that's a true statement or one of those conspiracy theories, but dang, you couldn't show up? Like, if that is a true statement, dang, you could have showed up, you know? Like, are you kidding me right now? And there was no Jack and Rose. Supposedly there was, like, one person had a similar name, but the story wasn't based on them. But we'll talk about the movie another time. His death was not the only tragedy to befall the family. Eleanor died after being knocked down by a London taxi in 1931. Really? Really? A taxi head? Okay. <sighs> Poor Helen and Eleanor and whatever. This whole thing is just sad. Helen, their daughter who was sometimes known as Mel, died in 1973. Having buried two husbands and her only two children, her first marriage was to Captain John Gilberson, and when he died, she married Sidney Russell Cook in 1922. The following year, she gave birth to twins Simon and Priscilla. She was a widowed, a second time in 1931, oh, it was Snyder Russell. Snyder accidentally shot himself in the stomach, whistling cleaning his rifle. Simon joined the RAF in 1941 and died in action in 1944. Viscera married a lawyer in 1946 but died childless a year later from polio and therefore there are no just Disrect descendants of Captain Smith today. A statue of Captain Smith was unveiled on July 29, 1914, in Beacon Park, Lynchfield, Stanfordshire, which was sculpted by Catelyn Scott, wife of Arctic explorer Captain Robertson. Falcon Scott. Also, we will talk about polio. That is a true creepy thing. And eventually we could talk about COVID if we want. I don't like COVID and my thoughts on COVID are just yuck. But polio was disgusting too but at the same time I didn't live through that. So it's a little different when you didn't live through it. It's history. Oh great. COVID's going to be in the history books now. Great. That's just what I want to hear. Yeah, okay. Getting back to track, because I am not on track at all. Okay. Um, Captain Robert Falcon Scott that stood right next to the model of Captain Edward John Smith. The two men had died in 1912 at the peak of their chosen profession, but two weeks apart in freezing temperatures and far from home. Unfortunately, both figures were lost to a fire that blazed its way through the museum on March 18, 1925. It took an hour and a half to extinguish. No one died, and even the parrot was saved. Firemen were unassured whether the bird was real or wax, but once out in the fresh air, it soon revived and informed all workers that this was a rotten business. Olympic meal was laid on December 16th, 1908 in shipyard number 400. Her young sister would be constructed next door at 401, begun and completed before Titanic Olympic 
was temporarily the biggest and grandest ship in the world. At 4.30 p.m., which reminds me, some people don't think it was the Titanic that sunk. They think it was the Olympic, I believe they said. That's a conspiracy theory that people were talking about that I heard. I'm not saying it's true or not. I actually don't know the facts about this. But some say that, I think it was J.P. Morgan himself, sent his like partners on this boat. And he wasn't on it, but he was supposed to be, and it sunk. And said and say he did it for insurance reasons. I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not. And if you want me to read the beginning of this book, uh, why not? I will, I guess. I don't even, I thought I read this to you all, but I guess I'm losing my mind slowly but surely. At 4.30 on that day of Titanic's launch, May 31st, 1911, Olympic set sail for Liverpool under the command of Captain Edward John Smith with passengers including J. Bruce Ismay, Chairman and Managing Director of White Star Line and Thomas Andrews of Harlan and Wolfel and also many of the crew who would later serve on Titanic. After Liverpool, she made her way to San Hampton, from where she set out on June 14th on her maiden voyage to New York. The journey took five days, 16 hours and 42 minutes with an average speed of 21.7 knots. I don't know what that means. It's just what it says. I really don't know what that means. Someone tell me. I don't know what knots are and I really want to know. The two sisters side by side in the special construction in the Harlan and Wolf shipyard, Belfast. When I understand they're identical ships, a large crowd came out to welcome the biggest ship in the world to New York. There was a mere setback, however, minor setback, however, when the tugboat O.L. Helen Bash was dragged in by Olympus' huge parallel and still needed repairs to its stern and rudder. On this occasion, there was no damage to Titanic's older sister. Okay, Olympic was the older one. Unlike a few months later, when leaving Southampton on her fifth voyage to New York, the Royal Navy cruiser HMS Hawk smashed into Olympic's starboard side, shattering its own board and almost capitalizing with the impact while leaving Olympic with two deep gashes above and below the waterline. The voyage was canceled, but there were no fatalities. Little did stewardess Violet Joseph and stalker Arthur John Prizer realize that they had personally embarked on the first of a trilogy of disaster considering the winter sis star sister ships. Above damage to the RMS Olympic left and HMS Hawk right followed their infamous 1911 collision. Aye, that just looks disastrous. Wow. This ship has like really big and the front is torn off and I'm guessing this is the Olympic because it looks like the Titanic. It's the side. The front of the sh other ship was hugely damaged and the Olympic doesn't look as bad but it's still not good. Like, not at all. Okay, here's my thing. For those of you who are thinking about going on the Titanic or Olympic, maybe don't. Like, I heard they're restoring it and they're gonna bring the Titanic back and I'm like, I'm not getting on that ship. If I ever decide to go on a ship, I don't think I would want to go on the one known for sinking. And the other one, known for colliding into things. Like, no. Also, I wonder how many ships are in the water then, on a daily basis. Okay, things I'm going to look up later. Okay. Um, White Star Sister Ship. Olympic was patched up to enable return to Belfast for a more thorough repair job 
that delayed Titanic's completion. Meanwhile, the crash proved costly to White Star Line as the insuring inquirer laid the blame entirely on Olympic with the Royal Navy claiming that she had pulled the Hawkeye into her eye. Following six weeks of repairs, Olympic was back at work by November 30th, 1911 until three months later. On returning to Southampton from New York, she hit something in the ocean that cost her a blade from her peller. Titania Works in Belfast repaired her once more, and this was the last time that the two sisters were together. When Captain Smith left Olympic for Titanic, he was replaced by the unfortunate name Captain Herbert James Baudock. Unfortunately named Captain Herbert James Haddock. I'm not sure why that would be bad. So that's a thing that's happening now. For months later, Olympic's wireless operation, Esther James Moore, received a distress from the Titanic, who was over 500 miles away. I think this is the ship that, like, heard the distress signal and ignored it. Which makes me so mad. Like, you couldn't have helped that? Like, really? You're telling me right now. You couldn't have helped it. Thanks. Who was over 500 miles away, Captain Hardock. Hardock. Is it Hardick? Is that what his name is? Haddock. Captain H A D D D O C K. Can I just call him Captain H? Because I don't know if I get his name. Had the engine set at full power and raced to her assistance. 400 miles later, he received a message from Arthur Robertson, the captain of the RMS. All boats accounted for about uh, 675 souls saved. Titanic founded at 2.20 a.m. In other words, Olympic might as well turn back, but Captain H wanted to help in some way and offered to take the survivors back to England. Captain Robertsdorf Ladid refused his offer out of consideration for the effect that Titanic's mirror image might have on her stressed and grieving survivors. There was nothing for it but to return to Hampton after sailing all entertainment to make the tragic loss of life. However, Olympic had much to contribute in the aftermath of the sinking. She was used in both the British and American investigation and was examined to see how fast she could turn to determine at what point Titanic should have been able to avoid the iceberg. One inevitable result of the sinking was that an extra 44 lifeboats were added to the 20 on Olympic. Yeah, see, here's the thing. There wasn't enough lifeboats. Apparently, according to back then, there was enough for them to get off the ground and leave, but according to today, that standard would not hold up. So it's very confusing. Like, they had enough that they could get away with it, but they didn't have enough that would, like, encounter for today's time, I guess. I'm not 100% sure what you would call that. Okay. One involuntary result of the sinking of the Titanic was the extra four. Okay. That was the good news. The bad news was that the extra boats were secondhand collapse boats, some of which were rotten and could not open. Then what is the point? Okay. <gasps> Excuse me. Understandably, the crew balked at this, and just before she set sail, upon of April 1912, 284 firemen went on strike, demanding that the collapse 
poles be replaced by wooden boats, despite the fact that they had been judged seaworthy by an inspector from the Board of Trade. Meanwhile, a hundred non-union members were brought on board to cover for the strikes. On April 25th, four collapsibles were tested in front of the strikers and only one was found to be unseaworthy. It was hoped that the firemen would be appeased by a fresh replacement, but now they wanted the non-union workers removed from the Olympic. When White Star Line rejected this, 40, 54 sailors disembarked, effectively throwing the sailing schedule into disarray. On shore, the sailors were arrested and charged with immunity. The judge found them guilty but declined to punish them, no doubt due to the recent tragedy. Fearing a public outcry, White Star Line allowed the men to rejoin Olympic. In October, their ship returned to Hardland and Walthall to be renovated according to the findings of the Titanic Inquirer. This time, without any worn collapsible lifeboats, the newly improved Olympic where Captain H was back in action in March 1913. More changes were to be required the following year. With the outbreak of war, Olympic was painted gray and her portholes were covered up. Not surprisingly, the number of trans-action passengers dipped significantly with the threat of enemy Union boats making Olympic too expensive to run, and her final commercial voyage in October 1914 involved just 153 paying customers. Keeping a nervous eye out for submarines was not the only distraction. A sixth day into the journey, Olympic responded to a distress signal from British ship from British warship HMS all dashing which had struck a mine of Troyan Island in the Atlantic, northwest of the Irish mainland. 253 crew were rescued by Olympic, while three failed attempts were made to tow a addition to safety before she finally sank. The commander of the home fleet, um, Merrill John Jolsey ordered Olympic to be held in custody in Long Soleil as he did not want the British nation to know that one of their own warships was lost in case it damaged morale. Although the morale of Olympic passengers must have been challenged when they found themselves prevented from sending or receiving any messages or from embarking the ship. Until six days later on November 2nd, when the ship finally sailed on to Belfast. Yeah, these ships just seem unlucky. Yeah.